0: Hey Cards fans, welcome back to the pod. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Benjamin Hockman, alongside Javier and I. He's a sports columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, his hometown paper. He's also covered the Nuggets for the Denver Post and worked for the New York Times, New Orleans Times, picayune covering Tulane. Mr. Hockman is the author of four books and the creator of the short video series, Ten Hockman. Welcome to the show, Mr. Hockman.
1: Oh, my gosh, thanks for having
2: me. I appreciate it.
0: Okay. All right, Javi, do you want to start uh, with the first question? Um,
2: yeah, uh, so, you know, recently, as it kind of tends to be that way with Cardinals baseball, um, the last few months always seem to be kind of our best. Uh, we tend to start playing a lot better. We get closer to the postseason, and things start to buzz again. Um, you know, it's individual players start to play better as well. Um, but as a team, I'm interested in, uh, why you think that towards the end of the season, St. Louis tends to play better baseball.
1: You know, that, that's a great question because I mean, I could, I could answer it just for 2022, but you're absolutely right. The last few years, there's been these great surges, especially in August and September. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's, if it's the Cardinal Devils, what is it? The Cardinal Devil Magic? Yeah, Devil Magic. Yeah. Um. But there's no quite And a lot of it, a lot of it honestly goes back to Mike Schilt, who was pressing the right buttons often in August and September, even that first year when he took over for Mike Matheny. So if we're talking about the past, we've got to give credit to Mike Schilt in that regard. Uh, but this year, I mean, they're hitting home runs, right? Uh, I saw the stat where they've had the, the third most home runs in franchise history for a month. In this month, August, I guess not anymore, it's now September, of August of 2022, third most ever in Cardinals history. And one of those years was April of 2000, which had, you know, Mark McGuire going, and Edmonds and the whole thing. So, yeah, they're hitting the heck out of the baseball. And, oh, by the way, they added two starting pitchers and they seldom lose those games when those guys start.
0: Mm hmm. All right. So you wrote 11 and 11, a book dedicated to the magical 2011 world series winning team. Do you see any parallels between that team and the team of the present?
1: That's a, that's another good question. Well, heck, they've got three of the same guys, right? Uh, well, Wainwright didn't, didn't pitch that year, but he was, he was, uh, he called himself the, uh, the league's best cheerleader on, on the, on the bench in the dugout, of course, Albert and Yachty. Um, similarities yes in this regard you've got these rookie contributors the 2011 team was was so special because guys like John Jay and uh, Alan Craig they just rose to the moment Daniel Descalso even uh, were were huge contributors on that team as rookies well of course you look at the 2022 Cardinals they could have the guy that comes in third in the rookie of the year and Brendan Donovan uh also mm-hmm. Nolan Gorman hits baseballs hard when he connects with the baseball and um Andre Palante contributing as well. So there's definitely parallels there. And and yeah, I mean you need masters in the middle of the lineup, right? And they had Berkman, Holiday, and host that led the way. Well, this year you got Goldschmidt, Arenado, and then sometimes it is host himself and other times earlier in the year, and now uh, actually in recent games, Tyler O'Neill.
2: Mm-hmm. You, um, you were talking about younger players, uh, and he's no longer a rookie anymore. Um, uh, but Tommy Edmond, not necessarily a power guy. He's definitely more of the contact guy and better of a defender. Uh, he's hit a few home runs, actually, recently already in this season, which is fun to see. Um, but his wins above replacement just always seems to get higher and higher, and I think he led the league MLB only, like, a few months back in the middle of the summer. Um, but I feel like a, po- a lot of people – tend to, uh, you know, undervalue um, how much of a good player he is, especially defensively for the Cardinals. I want to know what your opinion about, like, the actual value of Tommy Edmond is and, you know, if we should try our best to keep him on the team yeah. for the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's simple as this, like, and I'm way older than you guys, but when I was growing up, the Cardinals had the secret weapon, Jose Okendo, And Jose Okendo his – thing was that he could play all nine positions one season he literally did that he played at least one inning at all nine positions including catcher um okendo was valuable because yeah if you if you needed a, a guy to play the outfield one day he'd play the outfield one day second base the next day you see where this is going well tommy edmund is doing that but at a higher level you mentioned his fielding he literally leads baseball in, i believe it's defensive run saves or one of the the fancy analytics mm-hmm. that, that looks at defense, he's literally the best and he plays more than one position. So, I mean, you just think about that, right? It's like being the best at making this up in school, like being the best at both history and math. You know, like it, it's, you can be good at one of them, but good God to be the best at both. So, yeah, I mean, Edmonds, you know, his hitting has gone down a little bit. That being said, who hit the huge home run a couple nights ago in, in St. Louis against Atlanta. It was Tommy Edmund. Um, yeah. He's super valuable because of his glove uh, because of his switch hitting and yeah, I don't think they want to let him go. I don't think that's going to happen.
0: All right. Your colleague Benjamin Fredrickson wrote an article about supporting the implementation of robotic umpires. Do you agree with that? And what do you think about other new rules um, in baseball?
1: Yeah, I mean, umpires are also human beings, and they're, in this case, men with possibly families and grandkids, and so you, you have to handle it delicately in regards to if, if you're going to be cutting down on the number of umpires, or or even their rules, like the dignity aspect of it. Um, if someone came in and said, we're stripping you of all your responsibilities at work, you know, it might hurt your feelings or what have you, but the reality is we're seeing this and. Numerous important games, huge calls are being blown and uh, with balls and strikes. So, yeah, I'm all for making sure that a strike is a strike and a ball is a ball. And uh, if it takes technology to get us there, then I'm, I'm 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 fine with it. Just handle it delicately with the with the men, you know, um, and, and their jobs going forward. And the other thing and you you guys are in Springfield. So you've experienced something I haven't yet. And that's the pitch clock. And maybe you can tell me just how that speeds up the game from a fan standpoint, sitting in the stands. I've heard great things about this. I can't wait.
2: Yeah. I um, I've loved the pitch clock watching Springfield games down here. Uh, Obviously it uh, definitely helps with the whole pace of play. Um, But it, it, it gives the entirety of the baseball game a rhythm, even like when we're the, even when they're not playing in the in-between Innings, you can still kind of feel the flow of it going because they have to get the ball, get set, get ready to throw. Um, And I love it for both reasons. We call it the pitch clock, but it also is for a little bit of the batter, too, because if the batter's not in the box in time, they can get a strike called on them and you can strike them out in two pitches. Um, But uh, I've really enjoyed it. It has been a very enjoyable experience for me, especially bringing trying to bring my friends who aren't necessarily really big baseball fans, um, you know, they're not just sitting there being like, why is he just standing there and throwing over to the other guy? And then I have to explain, well, it's the strategy. Okay. Like he's, he's it's a like mind game. Um, but the uh, pitch clock I think is absolutely fantastic. And I'm all for that coming in as soon as possible.
1: Me too. That's cool.
0: What about um, uh, like uh, bending the shift? Uh, do you like that?
1: I've, I've changed my mind on that originally when shifts got so popular, I was like, this isn't baseball. What is this? You got two second basemen in this scenario. Like, but the more I've thought about it, um, first of all, they have been shifting in baseball since the 1940s, just not on every batter. I mean, there's, there's photographs of the world series, Ted Williams against the St. Louis Cardinals and a shift was, was there. So, um, the strategy's always been there. Now it's just obviously at a higher level. Um, I think I'm okay with the shift still existing. It, no, it doesn't make me happy when a guy hits a line, like a super hard, 100 mile per hour ground ball right up the middle. And there's a guy there fielding it because like that was always like a hit, right? Growing yep. up, like mm-hmm. especially if you hit 100 miles per hour, like you've hit a hard single up the middle, you've earned the hit. But the reality is, it's all about adjustments. Right. And, and even someone like Matt Carpenter's had to make adjustments uh, playing for the Yankees this year with, with his hitting. Um, I think it's, I I think they should not ban the shift. Um, But I don't, I don't think there's a hundred percent agreement with me on that.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Right. So you, um, going back to the fact that you are a reporter and a fantastic one at that, you usually write about baseball, um, but you're able to connect and showcase a lot of the emotional stories behind um, the sporting events like baseball. Um, Specifically in St. Louis baseball, how do you think that it is such a unique way to bring people together? Why do you think St. Louis just absolutely loves the sport and it connects things with like Cardinal Glenn and Homers for Health and all stuff like that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. These are all great questions. And and, and when you look at St. Louis and baseball, this relationship, uh, it really is part of the culture. And I'm not knocking San Diego or Seattle or Arlington or any of these other towns that have Major League Baseball, but there's something about our city and the way baseball just affects people. And uh, clearly a huge part of it is the charitable efforts, like you mentioned, of the ball players and the broadcasters and people involved. Um that's special stuff, right? But I really think the relationship began way way before any of us were born, uh, in two regards. One was the the growth of radio in America Mm -hmm. St. Louis with Camel X radio. Yeah. It was just a very it was just a very powerful signal. And back when it's hard to even fathom, like the options were limited in regards to content that you could take in. There were like a few radio stations. And if you lived in Franklin, Tennessee, and you liked sports, well, the only sport you're going to be able to hear is this baseball game out of St. Louis, Missouri with this guy, Stan Musial and Red Shandies. And what are you going to do? You're going to take in the content because there's not much else content to take in. And we see what happens there. And the other thing I was going to bring up is the power of of anheuser Busch and the brewery and how much promotion they did of the cardinals to get seemingly everybody in st louis on board and then what is baseball in st louis it's an heirloom it's passed down to generations like like a father giving a gold watch to a son that a love of baseball is the same thing and how and it's gotten all the way to us here in 2022
0: yeah So um, have you heard of like John Boy and Foolish Baseball and other like YouTubers?
1: So I know of John Boy when uh, we, there happened to be a Cardinals game going on when they dropped the, the video footage of Oliver Marmol versus umpire C.B. Buckner.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: watching it on press row at Bush Stadium laughing. And it was it was fascinating. I don't, however, know the other one. Can you tell me about that?
0: Yeah, he's a like 26 year old who makes he's very like analytically minded and he makes videos like analyzing guys' career. Like he has a really good video about uh Yadier Molina that I think you should watch. Um, so what do you think these content creators in this new age of baseball have done for the sport?
1: I mean, it's it's quite simple, it's and it combines our our previous conversation, the previous. You know, earlier in our conversation, some people think baseball is boring, and some 22 year old boys and girls think baseball is boring. And in 2022, there's so much content. Really, we're weaving together all of our questions here. There's so much content out there. How do you hook these people into this? game that some might say is slow and antiquated well it's going to take social media it's going to take john boy it's going to take uh the content creator that you mentioned it's going to take you guys and and your podcast and and frankly it's going to take me continuing to evolve as a journalist and a storyteller i do a daily video every morning on the post dispatch's website and uh Coincidentally, I just spoke to um, an editor at the Post-Dispatch about starting a TikTok account. The idea is like if you want to get young people into your sport, you've got to go to them. They're not just going to come to you because because they, they you know what I'm saying. So um, it really, really what I'm getting at is it, it keeps the sport alive. It, it freshens up the game. And for you know, this sounds like an old guy, but like it makes the game cool.
2: I, uh, yeah, I, I totally, you know, me trying to get my friends into watching it who aren't necessarily big, a lot of it, uh, instead of boring them with the analytic parts and doing that stuff, I do have to make it a little more um, exciting for them. And I think, you know, the minor leagues have been doing a good job at having promotions. Uh, later in the season, they have a college night for um, colleges down here where it's a $6 ticket with uh, all-inclusive free soda and drink with that. Um, so, you know, that was one, that's always one of the biggest games of all time, you know, because, you know, who love doesn't love free food. It's fantastic. Um, but as more and more young people try and um, get to love this sport and get to do it and, um, you know, experience it um, with sports writing for um, young people, you know, my cousin Alex and I. Um, do you have any, you know, little tidbits of advice, little, you know, secret to the trade that are not super secret enough that you can share with us to try and get. You know a wider audience to try and get to as many people as we can to show our love of the game and give it on to them
1: definitely happy to help with that question I mean first of all right away you're doing it by creating content now and I look at it as as reps like like I'm not very strong I don't go to the gym to lift weights but we'll use that as the analogy think of like we'll just use Tyler O'Neill. how many times has he lifted weights right You know repetition and the intensity of it well you creating every time you create something or every time you write something it's a rep at the gym and you want to make your your muscles as big as possible so at an age that you're at or anybody listening i mean be proactive if you're at a college and there's a college newspaper see if you can get on board to write some articles and and then once you're writing the articles don't I always say this? Don't settle. It's so easy to just like do the hate to say the bare minimum and get away with it. I mean, I'll, and I'll read articles even at like high level newspapers, websites, magazines, and I'll be like, "Golly, it sounds that that opening reads as if the person it was just the first thought they had." Like you don't want to settle. Yeah. You want, especially with your first few paragraphs, you want it to scintillate. Um, you want people to read it and be like, "I can't wait." to scroll down and read more or in a newspaper or magazine can't wait to turn the page. And, and, and that's challenging yourself to be creative, to think outside the box, um, to look up stats and say things in a way they haven't been said yet or haven't been said before. And like you were talking about Tommy Edmund, like there was a piece the other day that just broke down. I can't remember who wrote it, but it just broke down his defensive importance to the Cardinals didn't even mention the bat uh, and, it, and it basically just painted that picture and people are constantly learning and, and also just continue to read. I mean, we're talking about getting stronger. I mean, every article you read, you're, you, you learn at least one thing, right. And every article you read, you see how the writer approached the article and maybe they did it in a poor way or maybe they did it in a cool way, but each time you're, 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 you're acknowledging that. Right. And that's a rep and that's lifting weights and that's, and that's making your brain stronger. So the more you read, I challenge people to to read more and take in more content, but not just, not just breeze through it, ask themselves, why did I enjoy that? It's a simple question. Take five seconds. I just read an article. Why was that cool? Oh, I really liked the comparison they made between Nolan Arenado and, and Brooks Robs, whatever it is, you use your own analytical mindset to analyze the journalism itself, and that'll help your own journalism. And then the last thing, and you're doing it, is is just show enthusiasm. I mean, I mean, kill them with enthusiasm. You know, um, pe- people people like that. Uh, so do that.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fantastic. I know. I actually had a friend of mine that you mentioned it who. Um, offered me an opportunity that I'm going to take um, for my college newspaper, uh, magazine. Um, They're looking for a sports guy to write stuff. And so my friend came to me and I was like, I'm, I'm all for it. you going to have to obviously, like you said, get the reps in and get a little better as a writer. But I think, I think we're getting there. Even, I think even this podcast has been getting better. I mean, right now, this is our latest one. And in my opinion, the pinnacle of so far of what we've done because we've been able to get you on, we we've been getting a lot more people, Um, So uh, thank you very much. I I really appreciate that question, because I know I am potentially interested. A lot of other people around are so. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, it's it's all about it's all about attacking an assignment, not surviving an assignment. You know what I mean? It's and that comes back to the old settling thing I said, like anybody can kind of just settle and produce the bare minimum produce. How can you attack an assignment with your research, your energy, your excitement, passion? Uh, your interviewing skills, whatever it is, to create the best content.
0: All right. Um, So who do you think is the Cardinals catcher of the future?
1: (laughs) Uh, That's a great question. I wonder if the Cardinals don't know that right now. I wonder if they're going to have to talk to Contreras' agent um, and and see if he's possible to catch the future. Um, Kisner has improved, of course, this year in all facets. Um, so that's good. Herrera, I mean, he's so young, right? I mean, yep. the reality yeah. is, I mean, re- I mean, we always, I at least, we default to the Randy Arosa um example. You know, he comes up with the Cardinals, he's super young, he does not great. So some people are like, oh, well, he's just not going to make it. Um, let's trade him. Now, clearly, they got some good prospects right, yes but um the idea the point of bringing up randy rosarini is like he was young that year when he was playing you know years later see it through and the guy does does much better and we're seeing it with Garcia too um so yeah um who do i think i think i think kiss my guess is kisner's gonna be the starting catcher next year um i don't know but yeah, I, I guess I'm dancing around this because there is no—I don't have the exact answer. And I think if you got Moselak, you know, Rodriguez and Gersh on your podcast, you know, they they wouldn't necessarily know either.
2: Right. You talked about a little bit of that Contreras thing, and I saw that rumor. Um, do you think that even that rumor in itself is a viable option to even talk about, even considering, or do you think that you don't think the Cubs would even consider trading away Contreras? let alone to the Cardinals, even in their own yeah. division.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Cubs and Cardinals don't do many deals. Um, if only, and Moselloc says this when we interview him and Moises Rodriguez will say the same thing and Michael Gersh will say the same thing. You know, you know, you, you don't want to trade a guy and then have him kick your butt for five years. Right. So yeah. um, that's, that's part of the, part of the reason why you don't do it. Um, that said, maybe, maybe it could be a win-win situation um so we'll have to see in that regard
2: i know um i just have uh i personally just have my this one more thing i was talking to a a cardinals fan um and i had asked alex about this last week cardinals fan being my father um and he was asking um he's just like what do you think if uh very last you know home game of the season uh we're doing pretty well we give we give Wainwright one at bat, just the one, just to see what happens to give him kind of a little bit of a curtain call. Um, you know, maybe a magical, you know, the natural moment, he gets a home run or something like that. Um, Alex and I talked about it a little bit later, but uh, what about you? What do you think about that potential idea? Well, I,
1: I love it in theory. Um, and I've thought about it too. It was like, is this guy going to get another bat in the major leagues or not? Um and then maybe even in, like, a blowout, you let him get an at-bat. But then, I like, a small part of me becomes, like, a, a an old man saying, like, what if he gets injured? What if
0: yeah.
1: he gets injured? And, yeah. and you know, yeah. the odds are super low. But, like, of course, if Wainwright pulls an oblique <laughs> trying Oof. to get an at-bat in game <laughs> 160, whatever, against the Pirates. Um, But, yeah, I mean, clearly Marmol and Wainwright will – would talk about it and I I think if they think it's okay I bet they do I bet I especially if the Cardinals clinch um before that final series mm-hmm. I think right fun things with those three dudes uh Molina and uh, Pujols and, and and Wainwright all
0: right um do you want anything else about... Alex I got um so what do you think it's gonna happen with the rotation uh when flaherty gets back do you think they'll go to a six man rotation um and do you think dakota hudson has made his last start
1: great question um i think yes he's made his last start i feel bad because like a lot of those hits against cincinnati were soft contact hits but he did allow a home run to Romine of all people. So, I mean, that did happen. And it just come, comes down to like, if these games are, if you're still trying to win the division, I don't, I, and you can replace him with clarity. You do it right. You, you need, you want your five best guys in the rotation. Now, again, if they clinch and you've got these games and Hudson's arm is still ready. Yeah. Maybe you see some Hudson, some Woodford situations like that, but my if I'm the manager yeah hudson's not in the rotation and for the rest of the rest of the regular season it matters
0: right mm-hmm.
2: well yeah i mean we're we're getting there i i personally feel really good about clinching uh this postseason spot i'm excited to see the you know three game series wild card games see how they go um and i really you know i would love that Cinderella story of Pujols, Wayneho, and Melina getting to the World Series. You know, obviously hopefully winning it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I thank you very much for coming down. The I oh, you yeah. know talking to you was fantastic. The insight was great. Yeah. Um I think I mean you individually will be a big help, I think, for us moving forward, cool. getting cool. getting bigger and doing you know, better things. So thank you very much for coming down. I really appreciate your time.
1: Oh, it's my honor. It's super fun to get to know both of you and definitely uh, let me know when when it's live and I can retweet the tweets or repost the post.
0: All right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a rest of your day. You too.